Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Romans 15. It reads, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and to not please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let his peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of the signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they also ought to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this, and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So, Ursula, as we turn the page to chapter 15, we see that Paul continues the thought of chapter 14, but then really guides us into a new direction as he transitions from our relationship to others and really talks about our relationship to God and his will in our lives. So help us to see how he develops that here in chapter 15. So we're leaving 14. He continues about making sure we welcome one another, making sure we're loving each other in the faith. But then what he's doing is he is really talking about walking in the will of of God. And if anyone understood that, it would be Christ Jesus. And it says 
in verse 8, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, that was to the Jews, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So now we are kind of transitioning into really what it means to walk in the will of God. We're unified in the church. Now we want to glorify God. And how are we to do that? Well, it's really about living a life that's pleasing to the Lord, about our lives actually being a gospel. Um, And Paul talks about in chapter 2 about how we can blaspheme God by how we live our lives, that we say one thing and we do another, right? That blasphemes God. But it says that what we're to do is really glorify God. Why? So when others see us, be it Jew or Gentile, right, that they would glorify God, that we would be different, that they would we would be a place of love and faith and point them to the God that saves, Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? It's one of those things where we can say this is easy and this is what we should be doing, but we need to really like build that up in our minds for what does that look like? How do we function in this way that Paul has explained to us? Verse 14 says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, fellow believers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. So that's really important, right? That's how we live a life that's pleasing to God, that we we fill our minds with the knowledge of God, and that we live a life that's full of goodness, a life that glorifies God and that doesn't blaspheme his name. But then we're also supposed to instruct one another, be able to do that and to grow up in what the word of God says. If I don't read it, I I can't know what it says, and if I don't know what it says, I certainly can't instruct one another on it, right? And of course, I know we're, for those of you listening, we're kind of singing to the choir here, right? But it's just really important not only that when we know what it says, we understand the meaning of what it says and the context of what it says and how it then applies to our own lives before we then can instruct one another. Because Jesus had a lot to say to the Pharisees, didn't he? About how they were a clean cup on the outside, but they were filthy on the inside. They lived lives of hypocrisy. So I think that's so important that we really start to to look at ourselves and see what in my life isn't aligning with what the Word of God instructs. And one of the things I love about Paul, he talks about in verse 17, he says, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. He is proud of the work of his hands, of what the Lord has given to him. He is confident that he is walking in the will of God and that he is able to then share for him what that is. And he talks about he wasn't going to speak anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. That's in verse 18, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. That was the will of God for Paul. He knew exactly why he was there. He knew exactly why the Lord had called him. What a wonderful thing to walk in the will of God, not only to live a life 
that magnifies God and the gospel, but then to be able to teach others and, and know where you stand with him. How amazing is it? And then, then in verse 20, he talks about he made it his ambition. His goal in life, his ambition in life was to preach the gospel, not where Christ had already been named, right? Not to go to churches and to maybe mature them more in the faith, but really his particular ministry was to not build on an existing foundation, but to go where those who have never seen or heard. Uh, And he says in verse 21, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. And so Paul knew, and, you know, as he's looking and he's been hindered, as we look further into this book, right, starting in 22, he knows he's been hindered, that things aren't smooth. I mean, he doesn't get to go everywhere he wants to. He doesn't get to do everything he wants to do. But what he does know is that it's one day at a time, as long as he's walking in the will of God, whether he's hindered or he's not hindered, that goal, that ambition for him was still to glorify God in his life. And obviously Paul was super successful in what he was doing in these missionary efforts. But in some ways I feel like he has it a little bit easier that he's building without other people's foundations. Because I think as we're talking about most of our students here is they might say, hey, I'm trying to share my faith with other people. They're sharing their faith with somebody who has some concept of God or what they think God should be like. So I just recently heard that three out of four people that were surveyed think that the God that the Jewish people, the God that the Christians, and the God that the people of Islam worship is all the same God. So we have to understand that there are some places where the foundation that people have in their life and their concept of God is faulty. And so why would it be important for us to make sure that that is solidified before we start building on that? And how might that even be the way that some of these things that they've been arguing about have been drawn back into an issue within the church? I think that's a really good point. We do have a very eclectic society, a society that their version of what truth is, is um, kind of all over the place. And so if you are out there, Um, and it's important to ask questions. It's important to understand where people are really coming from, uh, what some of their hangups are. Um, and do they even believe Jesus is real? Some people say he's not real at all. Well, I mean, that doesn't even make sense because we know in history, he was a real person. I mean, that's very well documented, but also it's important to understand going all the way back to the chapter one and chapter two, right? You have people who will suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Um, And so it's important to ask good questions, but it's also important to be patient, knowing you're not the one who's drawing them. It says that it's only God that draws people to himself. And so that's important uh, for you to remember that. And it's also important just to understand And let me back up a little bit. As a counselor, one of the things I have to do is try to understand what people are saying and not assume I really know. So even if somebody comes in and says, 
well, I'm anxious. Well, what does that even mean? What does that mean to you? And how is that really acting out? You know, how is that playing out in your life? So I need to understand those. So as you're going and you are sharing the gospel, it's really finding out, well, you know, what do you know? Um, How is what they say aligning with what the truth of the word of God says and what you know? And that's, again, kind of back to 14. You've got to be full of goodness, not perfect. Nobody lives perfectly, right? But trying to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Um, trying to fill your mind with knowledge so you can instruct somebody else. The other thing is this. I don't know everything. I don't pretend to know everything. And so I constantly, Google is my friend when I'm looking at Bible verses, but also I have to say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to find out. Uh, Let me do some research on that and I'll get back to you. So that's really important to me because What I want to do is kind of untangle some of the misperceptions people have about who they really believe God is, who Jesus Christ is, why he had to come and die for their sin, and how he truly does love and made the ultimate sacrifice for them. It, again, goes back to the gospel, always to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we encourage you to be collectively studying this with other people so that you can be sharpening one another in your understanding. We all don't know everything, but God has given us the body of Christ to be living alongside us and supporting us through what we're doing and through what he's called us to do. We're there for edification. We're there for building up. We're there for encouraging. And as we study God's word together, as we answer the questions that we come across in it, as well as the way in which it is applied to our lives, we're doing what God has called us to do. And we're strengthening what we're building, hopefully upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ in our life. And that's why everything comes back to the gospel and our ability to build on the truth of what Jesus dying on the cross meant for us. So as you do that today, know you are loved. You are loved.